Listening to the Revenge of the Birds podcast, part of the SB Nation Podcast Network, all about your Arizona Cardinals. Hello, welcome in Arizona Cardinals fans. This is the Revenge of the Birds podcast, the week one recap edition. Um, We're happy to have you guys here. We've got a lot to talk about. Um, We're going to kind of jump right into it. First, I wanted to make sure that we get the introductions. Uh, This is your first time listening to us, um, whether you found us through uh, revengeofthebirds.com, whether you found us through Twitter, other social channels. Um, This is kind of about the first of two Cardinals shows this week, breaking down the Arizona Cardinals. Uh, My name is Blake Murphy. I'm one of the staff writers for Revenge of the Birds, the co-host of the podcast. And uh, I'm joined here with my other co-host, John Venerable, at least. Uh, The other longtime and I suppose long-suffering Cardinals fan is here as well. John, how are you doing tonight? Only suffering for roughly 30, 31 years, Blake. I'm doing well. feel kind of kind of dirty after the tie with Detroit. Um, but all things considered, if you watched that game transpire and didn't just read the box score, you have to feel pretty good about the effort you saw from uh, more than a few Arizona Cardinals, Blake, and hopefully something to build upon as, as we move forward throughout the rest of the season. Yeah, definitely agree. Um, one thing that we did want to at least mention uh, for uh, those of you listening today, I know some of what we're doing right now, uh, if you want to write this show up randomly, we're having a contest this week. We announced it last week on our podcast. Uh, we've got a brand new Revenge of the Birds online store, at least through BustingTees.com. What's really awesome about that is that we get to have um, kind of your our own Revenge of the Birds logo, kind of that brand that you have that supports um, the Arizona Cardinals and just a lot of the people who are involved in the community. There's some awesome comments, a lot of fan posts that come in. Uh, just trying to offer that fan perspective of the game that in a lot of cases it's even more real than a lot of the media stuff. I know, John, you got to have one of your uh, awesome rapid reactions that popped up at least last night for the Cardinals that got into it. I, I thought it was my favorite of all of the recaps I read on the web. Honestly. Hey, thanks, so, brother. Appreciate so it. Props to you for that. I was like, oh, wow, he really got into this. and It was great. So uh, there's a lot of great work that's there. We'll be giving away one of those T-shirts, whatever size you're looking for. Um, all you have to do to enter that, of course, is take this episode of our podcast here, this kind of first uh, first week of the year, and just share it to one of your social channels, post it to Twitter, post it to um, your Facebook, at least. Just make sure that you're tagging us um, in the hashtag ROTBpod. That way we'll be able to get you entered in, and for uh, each of the sites you do, now well, it's only you know one post, but if you post it to your Twitter, post it to Facebook. Uh, if you're an avid Instagram user, I, I mean, you can you know at least let us know or give a shout out for that one. We'll count those as entries. Um, we love you guys who are listening to us weekly, and we'll make sure that we can hook you up with some of that sweet swag. And this may be the only time that we actually even have these shirts that we know of, so it might be a uh, really special opportunity here. All right, uh, so there's kind of that plug out of the way. Thank you guys for joining us, John. It's been a whole three minutes or so. Let's go ahead and get into the Cardinals game. Hopefully, it won't wait? Take, hopefully, it won't take us as long to get going on here as it did the Cardinals because I went down and was physically at the game, and the first thing that kind of stood out was, uh, again, we talked about it previously, what we expected. I even charted and wrote down, it was probably about 90% of the time you got to see these four wide receiver sets. Kyler Murray, no slap, no snap count, no snap clap. And you saw a kind of rough start to it. It was really difficult for the Cardinals to get anything on the ground. You saw a few sacks, some throwaways, and you saw kind of a collapse in some cases in the second quarter where there was a wide open blown coverage at least. Um, Danny Amendola, I believe, goes down and scores. And ended up seeing where the Cardinals, it felt like it was slogging through traffic. It was just, it was so difficult to move the ball, John, and it made it feel in a lot of cases that all of this build up to, you know, the secret offense or unleashing things and all of this kind of hype, it just got totally derailed just because it turned out to be more of just four wide, a couple of weird, funky plays and formations, and a whole lot of struggles for the team throughout the entire first half. They didn't score until one minute and 19 seconds were left in the second quarter. They finally got on the board just before halftime. And up until that point, John, it looked like we were the 2018 Cardinals with a you know more mobile quarterback running around. 
Yeah, I a couple things to consider that I was trying to keep in the back of my mind while I watched the team struggle uh, throughout the duration of the first, really the th- first three quarters. Um, this was a team that struggled to score points in the preseason. The first team offense, as exciting as we want them to be, didn't score a touchdown in I don't know how many possessions this preseason. They didn't play all that long. Uh, but even in the third preseason game, I think they got to the red zone four times and didn't score. So yep. again, they were coming into this game with um, that. I'm, I'm sure in the back of their mind, uh, Kyler Murray would have loved to have thrown a touchdown. I'm sure in the preseason it just didn't happen. The Cardinals were a historically bad offensive team last year. We've, we've depicted it. We've broken it down um, numerous times on this podcast, but I think that when you talk about rebuilding this unit, Murray's a big part of it, but it's going to take time to refine exactly what Cliff Kingsbury wants to do and to expect them to come out guns a-blazing against a good Detroit Lions team uh, with a defensive head coach where he makes his money off defense. It might have been unrealistic. So, yes, I was frustrated like everybody else, but then the Cardinals were also breaking in abruptly a new right tackle in Justin Murray. We'll talk about the Marcus Gilbert injury. He went down with some kind of unknown knee injury Thursday in practice, um, and that affected their first couple of drives. He looked out of sync. Of course, he only had two practices with the team. Kingsbury said they tried to cram the playbook with him on Thursday night, and he Mm -hmm. actually commended the job that he did. And I thought he got better as the game went on, but those first couple drives, I mean, he was lost. J.R. Sweezy, who had the highest grade via pro football focus for any Cardinal offensive lineman, I think he was in the mid to high 70s, um, did a nice job helping him with his protections. But they were in bad field position. They were kind of discombobulated. Um, and it was really the perfect storm outside of them being at home. So while I'm frustrated with the, the play of the team in the first half um, and in the first three quarters, it's easy to see why they struggled. It's not they they were clicking on all cylinders throughout the preseason. They looked phenomenal. This is a veteran-led team. You've got a rookie head coach coaching in his first game. You've got a rookie quarterback who played one season of college football essentially as a starter in his first game. This was a historically bad offensive team. It's going to take time. It's why I was so you know I was frustrated um, with certain decisions that were made, but I was more frustrated with, with what I was seeing on social media. Um, you know, on certain websites, just declaring that this was a, a, a massive failure, this air raid, air raid, it was a bust. Kingsbury doesn't deserve to be a head coach. I mean, man, they, they it's a it's a pretty brutal environment on Twitter when, you know, people, and I believe this, have an agenda out against you as a head coach, as a quarterback. There are, there are people who want Kyler Murray to fail because of, you know, the, the measurables and, and the lack of height. And there are people who want Cliff Kingsbury to fail. There's more people, I think, that want Kingsbury to fail basically because they feel like, um, you know, he's upsetting the culture of the, you know, the NFL head coach. He didn't earn it. We've gone over that a, a yeah. bunch of times. And it, they kind of opened the floodgates throughout those first three quarters, which is what made, I think, the fourth quarter so satisfying when they finally did turn it on. And we had an opportunity to hear Kingsbury speak today, Blake, and he just mentioned, hey, I got – I got too cute. I tried to unload too mm-hmm. much early on. Um, and again, with the lack of protection, he was trying to go deep uh, two or three times um, in the in the first quarter, and it just wasn't clicking. He needed, and he did, to get Kyler in situations where he was building momentum, building confidence, quick, easy throws. Um, I wish they had started the game like that. I do think, Blake, a big proponent um, that could have changed the game considerably, at least with field position early on. David Johnson broke that long run on the Cardinals' yep. first possession, and it was inexplicably inexplicably called back for holding on J.R. Sweezy, and it looked like Sweezy just pancaked uh, the, the line defensive lineman, and that really put right. the Cardinals in a, in a rough position. I think anybody rewatching the film um, – would see that that and there were two officials that threw a flag on Sweezy on that specific holding call so that did not help them either but you think about if they're able to get, at least get to midfield on that drive which they almost were at anyway could pin the lines back a little deeper maybe they don't score as fast but you know all things considered Blake and we'll talk about the outburst that Murray had you should not be surprised that they started this slow. We hadn't seen it from them yet. They had waited to unveil this offense. Their best offensive lineman, Marcus Gilbert, didn't play, and the substitute was a you know a waiver pickup from the following week. So um, I expect yeah. them to to be better. But again, they're going to have learning curves like this. 
But all I can say is, even with the egregious start, they scored almost as many points as they did in um, their season high of a year ago. They scored 28 against San Francisco a year ago early on, and I think they had a defensive touchdown in that game. They did. And they eclipsed um, 400 yards, which they did not do all of last year. So the national media won't tell this to you, but Cardinal fans know that, that that was a massive improvement Sunday. Yeah, the the way that the team the, the the game started out essentially they had a deep uh, incomplete pass to Keyshawn. You had the David Johnson play called back from holding. The penalties continued to be kind of an issue that we did see in the preseason. And then when it was kind of in these third and longs for the most part, there were times where Murray just looked off. He would be missing guys or there would be passes that seemed like he would be, okay, I'm thinking about back shoulder. The receiver wasn't expecting it or he would miss or there was um, sometimes there were drops. But really just the opening sequence where they were backed up with that penalty. They're on their own five-yard line from the end zone. And then you look at the Detroit Lions were able to at least kind of pick up a first down or two and then pin the Cardinals deep twice where they had poor field position on the second time and then you look at just the pressure that Kyler was at for the most part you're talking about they did end up picking up a first down um, essentially like they started their second possession on the one yard line and Murray ended up being under pressure for a lot where their lines were only really rushing for there wasn't maybe there was more complex coverages but it wasn't like they were really throwing all of these you know insane or bringing the house there were times where you did see them bring a lot of people specifically targeting Justin Murray the right tackle where Kyler felt like he had to bail and some of it Murray did not have a good first half Uh, it kind of ends in a lot of the game essentially shifted with two big plays that ended up kind of canceling each other out where Murray scrambling right he throws a pass for Keyshawn does not see the safety coming across the field Uh, balls on the Arizona 24 yard line and then just the very, very next play, Matthew Stafford is sacked. Chandler Jones forces a fumble. Cardinals take over and promptly go three and out. It was a really boring overall first quarter. It ends up going into the second quarter where the Lions end up going on a long drive um, where they're able to getting a field goal. So the defense overall wasn't really that bad against the run. The biggest thing that you saw for the most part was it kind of dinked and dunked down the field. And in the end, it turned into... Um, just the fact that when they did kick a field goal, the Cardinals basically could not stop the three and outs. That was the biggest thing. The Cardinals opened the game this way. They had punt, interception, punt, punt. I think they had a, a punt on four plays for like 11 yards. They had about 53 yards of offense at the half, John. You were looking at uh, you were looking at Kyler Murray essentially having 6 of 16 for 41 yards, a 19.8 passer rating. That was your first half, and that was where Cardinals fans, that second quarter where the Lions outscored them 17-3, to just was really kind of a dagger for a lot of the hearts of Cardinals fans who were honestly coming in, maybe not expecting a blowout. I think that the local media had set up expecting that this would be a win for the game. But they're expecting this kind of top-secret offense, and when you're talking about a worse overall first half of football than the Cardinals yeah. had a year ago with Sam Bradford, then you're just looking at it and you're like, okay, like what's going on here? Like The defense looks like it's a little better. There's a couple of plays, but the offense took such a step back that it was no wonder that people were essentially bashing the air raid offense in Cliff Kingsbury because there's all this teasing about a secret offense, and then there ran kind of some you know plays where it was like it felt like for the beginning when Cliff didn't have things connected instantly the Lions didn't seem like they were that surprised and when your right tackle was giving up quite a bit of pressure where Kyler was just missing and forcing plays looked like they were in over their heads John and that was how the entire first half went and I do think that we can't totally gloss over that because that is an example of what we've talked about with this Cardinals team is it still is overall a work in progress as far as the offensive line as far as the receivers coming into play and a lot of it honestly I do think that if you did want to assign blame it comes on King Kingsbury kind of wanting to come out guns a-blazing, never really got his quarterback into a rhythm, never really got some of those quick plays to be able to make use of the accuracy. It was almost like they were expecting, here's what we've game-planned in for Detroit. Detroit came out and punched them in the mouth, getting pressure with four. And I think that's where you have to kind of sit back and be like, all right, this is a learning experience from Cliff Kingsbury that in some cases mirrored the Mike McCoy session. The thing you had to look for then is would he adjust or would things continue? Yeah, and he made the adjustment. Give credit to him. Uh, he also made a couple calls, uh, coaching decisions throughout the, the duration of the second half, that being to continue to kick field goals that drew mm-hmm. uh, a lot of criticism, uh, specifically from the broadcast team. I mean, Mark Schlereff 
you could tell was was giving it to him if if you if you watched the replay of the game or you were watching live um nobody was complimentary of kingsbury um everybody local media in arizona the fan base um but he made the right decision um i'm not gonna say i loved it not going for it late and i said multiple times online though this this has to be four down territory and nope he had confidence in his kicker uh in his special team zane gonzalez we'll talk about the special team effort he was phenomenal four of four with a long of 42 um and it pulled him that late field goal right after the the long completion of fits they get down into the red zone mm-hmm. um nothing transpires and you figure okay he's gonna go for it nope kicked the field goal he made the field goal um he was lambasted uh, but, um, yeah. you know, he closed it within 15 and that's all they needed to do. Um, so I thought Kingsbury really kind of out coached, uh, Patricia specifically in the second half, mm-hmm. um, in an overtime, they looked way more prepared for what Detroit was bringing to them. I thought they made nice adjustments at half after halftime, not necessarily in that the first drive that they had, they went three and out. Mm-hmm. Um, but the defensive adjustments were were very good. Uh, they gave up only ten points in the second half. Yeah. Three of those came in overtime, um, and we'll talk about the defensive effort. But I, I think that Kingsbury, to me, I think it's a solid B. I thought the only time I was notably frustrated, and I'm not an NFL head coach. I hate second guess second guessing play calling. But the um, the the play to David where he got it down to about the one inch line where he came just short um, of scoring right before the half. Um, I would have loved to have seen seen them give it to him two or three more times there um, mm-hmm. to try to to try to to try to get it over the goal line. I think teams, if you want to be a winning football team, you got to be able to find half half an inch or half a yard or whatever it was. Um, and, and you got to be able to play a little bit of smash mouth football, um, even with uh, a liability up front on the offensive line. Um, I, I would have wouldn't have mind, you know, a Kyler Reed option play or something like that. They didn't do anything like that. Um, they got cute. They went east and west. They tried, I think, an end around. I think they tried two passes. That was the only sequence where I was. Yeah, I was frustrated with Kingsbury. I, you know, for the most part, though, um, when Kingsbury was dialing up plays, I mean, the, the plays were there to be made. Either the receiver wouldn't separate Kyler had a couple errant throws that he just airmailed. I think that part of that was nerves. Part of that mm-hmm. was pressure that he was feeling. He was sacked five times. Um, and majority of those came in the first half. So, you know, I, I he where Kingsbury really deserves credit. And it was in his decision-making late in the game. And then his play calling on the, on the final two scoring drives of the first half were very strong. I thought that read option play where Kyler kept it and almost got the first down and ran for nine yards. That was a great play call. Um, the two point conversion to, um, read option to, um, uh, who was it? It was to, um, Christian Kirk. I thought that mm-hmm. was a fantastic play call. The, the touchdown to Larry was great. I mean, the creativity that he used with, with David Johnson in the passing game, he was targeted seven times, hauled in six passes, he, he looks like he's going to have a resurgent year, even if he's not close to the player he was in 2016. He's still going to be very productive. And then I'll give him credit, too. They pivoted. They Clearly, the Cardinals wanted to target Christian Kirk. I think um, Kyler looked his way 12 times in the game, and they only mm-hmm. connected for four passes. And right. give Detroit's secondary credit. Darius Slay is a really good player that not a lot of people talk about. I mean, us football junkies know who that is, but underrated corner, second-round pick, who's just been a, a constant oh, in their secondary. One of the best in the game. One of the best Absolutely. in the game, easily. He's, he's, a, he's a tremendous player, and he was, he was shadowing Kirk for most of the game, I think, and they just couldn't connect, and so they pivoted to Larry, and then Larry made Detroit pay like he's done so many times. So the adjustments were there to be made, but it doesn't happen. I think the underscored um, line of the game really is the fact that the defense kept them in it um, to the point where they were able to make significant stops when they had to, and this this was the best-played special teams game I've seen maybe 10 plus years for this te- for this franchise they made yeah, it, was, it was better than the seattle game last year seattle game that had some awesome special teams with wilkes and kind of that last hurrah but this yeah. one was much more dominant and i'm glad that you brought that up because uh, a lot of people credited larry fitzgerald and that big catch as kind of being what really was kind of the spark for the team but they had a dink and dunk type of plays that they had previously the yeah. biggest thing that really woke the team up though if you look at it was 
they had the Cardinals had back-to-back possessions where they ended up forcing a fumble where after the where they were punting it back to the Lions and they ended up having a forced fumbles picked up by Trent Sherfield. The entire game essentially changed for the Cardinals at least is that they had nothing going for them whatsoever. They had another three and out of the half, another three and out, and then essentially were you know going back and forth with the Lions. They kind of got a field goal at least where they were could have gone for it maybe at, on the Detroit twenty four. Mm-hmm. Um, but what they did at least when they got into that spot was they got the field goal um, by being able to essentially you know uh, by being able to force a play that kind of sparked some life onto the sideline and then when Kyler finally was able to get a bit of time the offensive line I don't know if it was an adjustment if it was tightened up if it was uh, maybe it was that Matt Patricia kept running the same type of you know four pass rushes there and then he would whenever he tried stunts it was trying to get pressure up the middle Kingsbury adjusted by having David Johnson pick up a little bit more of the blocking the offensive line was a bit tighter and when they did hit that big pass play to Larry Fitzgerald it was like Kyler was a different quarterback or all of a sudden the confidence and the swagger was back um Fitz you know he had a four-yard catch that was Kyler was like having a crazy run around in the pocket threw it to Fitzgerald Fitzgerald dove for the ball the stadium finally started chanting Larry Larry and it was suddenly kind of like after that long pass play that the whatever it was as far as the jitters or the nerves or the confidence it was like all of that kind of ironed out and then you started seeing cliff being like all right we're gonna go back to our bread and butter we've got some short plays we're gonna run you know some of the mesh concepts and crossing patterns they went to outside where they're able to get guys like fits open mm-hmm. and they're able to drive down the field at least where you've got that first passing touchdown for Kyler Murray in the NFL uh, first passing touchdown he's had including the preseason is on a play that yeah. wasn't even designed for David Johnson it was supposed to get another guy open but David drew one-on-one coverage right up the seam Kyler was like oh perfect put it in a great spot for him and that was kind of where you were looking at the team saying all right maybe this is and I said at the time it was probably you know might be a garbage time touchdown because I didn't see the Lions continuing to blitz or to rush or to keep bringing pressure um, Lions themselves even said though we did didn't change up anything with our game plan so it turned into where the cardinals did essentially end up taking advantage just by tightening up the screws whether it was the quarterback the coach the adjustments all the players essentially just kind of battened down the hatches and toughed it out to be able to get to the point where even though it was a little controversial some people had for cliff to go for the field goal because you're like all right now you're you know it's at 24 i think it was was it 20 yeah, they got that touchdown at least to bring it to 24-24. So even yep. though some people were questioning with the field goal, the first field goal he did to get them to 24-9, to when they got that second, that first touchdown, and this is where he got a credit at least with Kingsbury, where they went and they kicked that field goal where they were at the Detroit 16-yard line. It was 3rd and 9 and they definitely could have gone ahead and just been like that. And my fear, of course, is the Lions going to go down and score, put the route on. But when they scored that touchdown, you know, I looked at the board and was like, oh, wait, 24 to 16. They're only down by eight points. It really felt like Matt Patricia in that sense had lost it and didn't realize like that they were only going to be within a, a touchdown of scoring. Because if that was the case, you know, they went on three plays for 70 yards after that. Cardinals defense did their job. And it really felt like the score was a lot bigger than it was because they hadn't. But credit Cliff Kingsbury, he then ended up having the pass that he had for five yards to eight yards to fits. They had Kyler kind of scrambled up the middle. They had just kept finally moving the chains to each of the different spots. They got lucky and maybe a penalty. That was the case. And when you look at that, they kind of dinked and dunked their way down. And all of a sudden, you look at that score, and the Cardinals were able to just explode out with that deep pass to Larry Fitzgerald. And you ended up looking at it where you got back into the fourth, and then it was the the stadium and everything with being alive of realizing, hey, the Cardinals are like actually have a chance to drive down and tie the game. And it still felt like it was a battle to have to get to each of the spots. It wasn't like it was easy. It wasn't like it was explosive. Right. But it was continually, hey, it's third and one. Cool. We've got a play call where the David Johnson's up the middle. It was a 10-yard gain on a third and one because they designed a perfect call where it drew the entire field to the left of the to the left of Kyler. And Kyler is the one keeping it on the read option. And there's one guy who had to read Kyler and had to read David Johnson. Mm-hmm. And because he was there, Cliff Kingsbury knew that he could get that as a mismatch. And David Johnson got just enough past the guy where he had to hesitate. Cause you know, if you run and tackle David Johnson, Kyler picks up 25 yards, at least on that carry. So it yep. was the perfect call at the perfect time. You got him into a rhythm as these short, quick pass plays that you got down. And eventually you got down to the Detroit 16. You got first and goal at the nine 
and you end up having the Larry Fitzgerald pass on kind of a rub route, and then the two-point conversion, that was a similar rub route. You get if you, if you watch it even on the play again, it was kind of this little trips right, but the way that they moved, it was such an air raid type of concept that you've seen like maybe a billion times at Texas Tech with three wide receivers that Cliff has run on the goal line, and he worked, it worked, it worked well, it was something where you kind of got a lot of redemption, and then you're looking at a tie game of 24-24 with less than a minute left in the fourth. Lions even get that punt where they punt it back to Arizona because they just weren't able to move the the ball at all. The Cardinals defense, I believe, stopped them after um, one play to Kenny Galladay for, I think, 12 yards or so. Um, They just kept running out of time, and essentially you went to overtime. And that's kind of where I think some of the controversy begins because... John, the Cardinals essentially, after they got all the way down, they had the huge pass play to Fitzer at the eight-yard line. They were not able to move the ball any further, weren't able to get it into the end zone to end it. And that's kind of where I think some people would wonder, do you give the ball back to the Lions? you try to go for it? Um, that happened twice in this game. Then the second time around, you're looking at fourth down. The Cardinals decide to punt, essentially giving up and saying, hey, it's fourth and seven. We're at Detroit's 46-yard line. We're going to go ahead and give it back to them. And essentially, they were playing for the tie with a minute and 10 seconds left for Matthew Stafford. And that was yep. kind of a controversial decision to, to have there because it's still a tie game. So what were your thoughts on that, John, as far as with playing for the tie? Was it the right decision? Was it the wrong? There's a lot of people who essentially roasted Kingsbury saying that he was playing for the tie like a coward would and he should have gone for mm-hmm. it on fourth down. I was kind of in the spot of when I was thinking about it, and I was like, okay. I don't like the fact that he didn't go for it. I would have loved because imagine if the place had picked up that fourth down on fourth and seven at Detroit's 46. You throw it, get a first down, perfect. You just line up your kicker, kick the field goal. You know that you're going to basically just win the game right there. If they'd missed it, then they've got maybe a minute and 10 seconds left to go about, say, 15 to 20 yards or so. Detroit kicks the field goal, you lose the game. That was where I had a really tough time of being able to say because it came down to that all or nothing. And what I did at least kind of what I felt like out of it was, hey, you battled all the way back here. You didn't end up losing the game, even though it would have been perfect to win the game. And I think the biggest cause you'll have to learn from is, you know, being on first on the eight yard line to begin overtime with that first possession. You got to iron out some of those kinks in the red zone. It still felt like where you walked away from this game feeling like it was a win. And a Lions fan walked out of that stadium disappointed, saying, same old Lions, you're up 24 to 6, and you can't put them away. Yeah, I think I I was not surprised he didn't go for it. I think had the card the Cardinals had uh, a man open with Murray in the tip ball in third and eight. And you yep. can see Kyle's expression um, when that happened, basically because he knew, you know, had he completed that ball, they would have been right there to that to was game, yep to take over and, and win the game. Um, so that was disappointing. And we'll talk about the, the batted balls, but um, had they completed that ball, had they gotten a little bit closer uh, and you're in a much more manageable situation, I think they would have really considered going for it. But I mean, you know, fourth and eight is not a, a gimme by any stretch. And um, no. Kingsbury was right. I mean, had they not completed it and converted, I should say it's a really good chance um their kicker, Detroit's kicker, um, who's one of the best in the league, making long field goals. He's, I think he holds the record. Prater holds the um, yeah, he does. Prater <laughs> holds the record for longest kick in NFL history. Made all those great kicks in Denver um, and has done that in Detroit. Um, you're basically giving the game away. It's 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 the, essentially the ball game. Um, and he made a really good point. He said, with the way our special teams were playing, we figured like we could pin them down. They were forced to because mm-hmm. you knew that they were going to try to throw make them make a mistake and he was right they he kingsbury put his team in a position to be successful and you know for whatever reason inexplicably dropped the the pick it was so unfortunately strange because when you and i you're right you brought that up john when you're talking about it like that and it's a spot of we don't know how much of that was luck or chance but because the lions were going to go for it for the win even though they were backed up like they were started at i believe it was what their own uh what was it like 12 like five yard line essentially that they were there Mm -hmm. for the last set of the game 
and they ended up having a very little time left on the clock. You know, it was like one minute left in OT. They still came out guns a-blazing, and it was almost like, not that, not that they baited Stafford, but it would not surprise me if Vance Joseph, because when we looked at it, there were two defensive backs in that area where Stafford was throwing the ball. It would not shock me whatsoever if he basically had had one of those corners was going to peel off to just watch Stafford's eyes, and then the other safety, who was back there, I believe, was picking up, and they were going with a deep shot to Kenny Galladay because maybe it was something that they saw on film. Maybe there was something that was there, and it was like it was a perfect step, and it made me feel so sad because if that was Patrick Peterson or Robert Alford, that ball yeah. would have been caught. They would have been just like started to run back and then probably a little looked at the clock, stepped out bounds with maybe one second left. Kick the field goal, you win the game, and then you're talking about then the brilliance of Cliff Kingsbury with that huge comeback, even though there were struggles, and then you're even bringing up, hey, look at what Vance Joseph did, where Joseph may have been able to come after the game and been able to say, oh yeah, I know we saw some from some of this, but maybe it was more of just a kind of coincidence and a huge mistake by the Lions, who made a bunch of mistakes in this game, and that's something that I do want to mention, is that the Lions had mistakes from, they had a game-winning play where essentially it was iced, where there was a wide-open running back who was running free there was a couple of blown coverages that the Cardinals had um not just to TJ Hawkinson but Matt Patricia the time was running out he called a timeout despite the fact that they had essentially the play where the Cardinals had been out of timeouts completely he calls a timeout it was like one of those sports movies where it's like coach we're out of timeouts all right well let's go ahead I'll dare them to call a timeout and then they call a timeout and it leads to their own demise it was like this well thanks thanks for the gift Stafford it stopped the clock it gave Arizona the down back and yeah, that was look, that was a strange was sequence it looked like it was like pot- potentially a penalty early on I, I, it looked like some of the defenders uh, i think had they kind like of given up on the play it was, so yeah. i don't know if it was as, as much of a slam dunk um as it was projected to be that he was going to score potentially get down into right. the red zone but you're absolutely right you knew after that play took place that the cardinals needed to make them pay and force um the incompletion, which I think it was Tremaine Brock again, mm-hmm. but he played such a phenomenal game given the circumstances, a, a late pickup for this team, um, essentially guarding Kenny Galladay, who is a thousand yard receiver and you're entering year three has pro bowl aspirations. He made multiple plays. That's why I didn't give him too much of a hard time that he didn't secure that pick at the end of the game. Um, given the fact that especially in the second half, I thought all the defensive backs played exceptionally well. They were all incredibly physical. Byron Murphy was um, all over the place making secure tackles, which was really the difference between picking up a first down. He was left on an Island and and he didn't miss a tackle. I don't think throughout the duration of the game. Um, He, he, he very much looks the part of somebody who you can foresee being a, a franchise caliber corner opposite Peterson or even by himself. I mean, he, he doesn't look small. He looks well put together. His speed wasn't a problem. And I don't give the defense specifically to what equates to two rookie corners starting in your backfield any hard time on those two broken plays in the first half. That's going to happen. Um, the play where Stafford scrambled out of the pocket, Hawkinson's going to be a Pro Bowl player at tight end. Um, that was just a quarterback and a tight end making a play. Um, and that was the only touchdown they scored in the second half. I thought the defense played exceptionally well. Given the circumstances, the run defense, I thought, played uh, way better than I than they were capable of playing, given what we saw in the preseason where they were just gashed week in and week out. Um, and so I'm okay if you sell out for the run and you think your pass rush can, can get home because they were – causing havoc in the backfield. I thought Chandler Jones was phenomenal. They had to triple team him toward the end of the game. Terrell Suggs had two sacks and um, three tackles for loss. I mean, that's a very, very underrated, going to be a very underrated combination throughout this year. Both of them ought to get to 10 sacks apiece. So if if you leave your, your corners on an island, I'm fine with that because you know what? It causes turnovers. The Cardinals had multiple opportunities. Stafford had two fumbles, lost one of them. Um, could have very much after Suggs' strip, could have lost another. Um, the Cardinals need to play that kind of defense where they're flying around, forcing turnovers. They're going to give up chunk yards. They're going to give up big plays. But if you can do what the Cardinals did and keep the game close and, and manageable, keep them out of the end zone for the most part, and the Cardinals did that in the second half, so give them credit. They only gave up the one touchdown. 
this team's going to be in a lot of games because you see the potential with Murray in this offense. You just have to be situationally solid defensively. You have to pick your spots. You can't let the floodgates open like so many times before last year where the offense is, is, you know, throwing pick sixes or turning the ball over, putting the defense in a position where their, you know, their backs are against the wall. At least for the most part, the Cardinals, especially in the second half, were moving the ball to some degree and they were able to flip field position. We know how how much of a weapon Andy Lee can be. That's the kind of football they're going to have to play this year if they're going to, you know, sustain drives and be, you know, in these Mm -hmm. games in the fourth quarter. And really at the end of the day, you know, I was frustrated with the offense like everybody else was. But then I looked up at the clock and it's like, oh, it's a one possession game. Like you mentioned, late in the fourth quarter, we've been engaged. Those are the kind of quote unquote small victories that you're going to have to take with this team because you're breaking in so many rookies and a rookie head yeah. coach and you're rebuilding. The, the Lions have playoff aspiration. That's a that's a as talented of a roster, in my opinion, as as in the NFC. You've got they Stafford, who they're they paying a lot it. of money. Galladay and Marvin Jones would be right there at the top of the Cardinals receiving uh, depth chart. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, on Johnson's a big time talent. Hawkinson, you can tell, is going to be a stud. They've they've invested multiple first and second round picks on the offensive line. Defensively, um, I, I think that they're underrated on the on the defensive line. Now their linebackers and their safeties aren't great, but they've got Slay, like we mentioned. They were yeah. missing Gerard Davis. That's a good team that is going to contend for, in my opinion still, is going to contend for a playoff spot. The Cardinals were the worst team in the NFL by a large margin last year. And yes, we love the additions of these rookies, but the Cardinals didn't go out and spend a bunch of money in free agency and bring in a bunch of Band-Aid players. They didn't have the money. So we're reliant on a lot of these young players to come and save us, win us this game. And it's just like, (laughs) let's, let's level set our expectations a little bit and take the small victories from this game. That's why I was so frustrated. We used to sit rookie quarterbacks, if not the entire season, half the season, a quarter of the season, Mm -hmm. especially when you're the first overall pick, you're saying, oh my God, they're going to inherit the worst roster in the league, you know, so on and so forth. Now it's like, hey, go save the team because they need you to stay. They don't have time. Yep. They don't have time now. And you know what? I like that the quarterback's in there taking his lumps, but here's another thing to take away. Kyler Murray right now, who, who got criticized through three quarters. This offense is garbage. Kyler Murray goes back to baseball. Projections, and I know it's stupid to do projections after one game, but I'm going to do it because of the fact that people were projecting Kyler and Cliff's career after one half. Kyler mm. Murray projected right now is going to finish the season with 4,000 yards passing and 32 passing touchdowns. And that would be rookie records. That would be cardinal passing records. I mean, mm-hmm. If they just sustained what they did in this game, they would be, my guess would be if they finish with right around 27 points per game, that's probably a top 12 offense. And then you talk about Murray's production, that's going to be the best for any rookie quarterback ever in the history of the National Football League. And everybody wanted to roast this team. So I think we just need to step back and say, okay, people have an agenda. The Cardinals did what they needed to do. Almost closed out the game. There are things to work on, but oh, yeah. I'm sit I'm sitting here way more optimistic than I was after week one last year, especially when you consider the fact that I expect this team to improve over the, over the course of this 16 game season. It may not be reflected in the, in the in the win loss column, but you mm-hmm. know what? Nobody expects this team to be a postseason team this year. We want them to have positive momentum heading into 2020 and that that was a great first start absolutely great yeah the reason why it was a great first start ultimately john is because and i even mentioned this was at one point it was the exact same 24 to 6 score that it was of week one of that disappointing 2018 season it's like oh well it's the same score and imagine if you'd gone through the entire offseason everything only to end up with the same result it would have felt fruitless and frustrating and so that's why it was such an encouragement when you got to see not just Kyler Murray essentially be able to see some of the light bulb go off or he was able to adjust and tighten up and we got to see some of the vaunted accuracy and we got to see some of the playmaking we even got to see like a clutch third down play on hit with his legs where it was a perfectly designed draw that he didn't end up taking any type of hit or anything that went on it wasn't like it was one of those you know RG3 type of styles where he just like runs it up the middle and takes a brutal head at the end to pick it up it was his it was it was who Kyler Murray was essentially for one of the things that he did in college and he played it at the right time 
And it was the adjustments that Cliff Kingsbury had essentially, and we even talked about this post-game, you mentioned it, where he admitted to the fact that he would got to key with it up front. They went back to what was good, what was working. We got to see how it worked. And we got to ultimately see a rookie head coach who is ultimately still learning in this league. He probably learned, and this is something that we can roast him for now, John, but this whole idea of the secret offense that turned into, well, we're going to have mostly four wide receivers the whole time, and it's not going to look like how 90% of the NFL offenses are going to look. And we're going to run that 90% of the time when most teams run at about 4%. It didn't fool the Lions at all. And so then that was part of the thing you could say it was almost a fruitless exercise to disguise that versus, you know, being able to work on it in the preseason. That's something that's a really hard lesson for Cliff Kingsbury to learn is, hey, in college where you're going to hopefully be able to disguise or hide some of those things. uh, LSU, I remember one time they had like two guys lined up in the backfield. You didn't know who the starting quarterback was. And then one split off and played wide receiver. The other was the quarterback. And it's like, you can't do that in the NFL because it's so much about the precision and the execution. And so in that sense, it is kind of a lesson to learn. But the fact that he is willing to learn those lessons and take those lumps and that there is enough of a payoff where the building was rocking. Like most people said, hey, I haven't been that excited for a Cardinals game since um, when you're thinking back to the maybe the Rosen Niners game was one. But even before, I don't some know, people, probably some, some people of the even Aryan talked, teams yeah, too. some people talked about the Arians team where we you're talking about in 2015 and they said in the Niners game, it was a question of how are we going to mess this up? And then, oh, hey, they didn't mess it up. In the Cardinals game, there was this weird sense of, oh, gosh, Kyler is on. He's dealing. And then you got to see where there was this confidence that I felt confident the team was going to score a touchdown when they got close enough. And I felt confident they were going to get the two point conversion. And I'm sure that every Cardinals player on that sideline felt that same confidence as well. And that's one thing is when you've got a head coach who um, is willing in the postgame press conference that he had three times, he's just straight up said, yeah, I need to do a better job at least of putting a player's into opportunities to succeed we got to do some of that in the second half credit the players for staying tough credit guys like justin murray who didn't give up any sacks in the fourth quarter to overtime credit you know the guys like a tremaine brock breaking up a uh, pass even though he had gotten roasted through some of the game he still had a textbook pass breakup in the end zone um, credit even the guys who like a david johnson who uh, showed some of the physicality and toughness that some had questioned him for he still broke through and had a nice run in the fourth quarter that i believe it broke a tackle that he was able to get free from and christian kirk had a couple of drops that was there in the game along with Keyshawn johnson they had different plays down the stretch so the fact that you've got a team that is not going to quit despite the fact that they're down 24 to 6 and it starts with the quarterback, number one, who didn't quit when his team was down to Alabama, I think like 28 to zero. It shows, John, that it does all start with the quarterback, because when you do have that quarterback, you've got a chance and you've got a hope. And uh, other teams are even seeing that the NFL this year, just tonight where we're recording on a Monday night, Deshaun Watson had like 50 seconds left or so, and he in two pass plays had gotten his team a touchdown. And ultimately, it was let down by his head coach and his defense and the choices that they made. But the entire team knew that, hey, we've got Deshaun, we've got a chance. The Cardinals have a chance now that they have Kyler Murray. And even though it's a tough and brutal schedule, they play a brutal Ravens team next week. Uh, that's part of the reason why we're optimistic as fans is because you got to see something special in that building. And even though I ended in a tie, it would have been awesome if they would have sent it out with a win you ultimately aren't going to be looking at the score so much as you're going to be seeing what's the temperament of the team, what's the perception of the fans, and the fact that everyone's buzzing about like, hey, do you see those Cardinals? They were down, they were punched, but then Kyler turned it on. That's what I think that the biggest takeaway you can have for the game is that this is a kind of revolution. When you have a franchise quarterback, you're able to see kind of an entire community come together in something that's pretty special. Yeah, absolutely, and that's why they – opted to pick him and didn't decide to keep Rosen and put a team around Rosen where you could elevate the quarterback. They wanted a quarterback who they felt could elevate this team, who could reinvigorate the franchise. Mm -hmm. um, And while they rebuild uh, and tried to make this a contender again, would keep them relevant. And that's what he does um, for better or for worse. He's going to have games where he plays probably the the entire game like he did the first three quarters i hope not but there are going to be games where he does he turns the ball over uh, i thought one of his better traits in this game the interception he threw i thought was a nice play by the db that was mm-hmm. not an errant throw i think he just meant to throw it out of bounds um it was a throwaway i don't i don't contribute that all that much to him 
Um, you look at a lot of the young quarterbacks in this league, we talk about interception luck. I didn't see any other pass from, from Kyler outside of maybe one um, late in the second quarter where it was like right to a defender and the, and the receiver had to yeah, play yeah. defense. Um, I thought he was he was very um, careful with the ball, held on to it well, um, and that's going to go a long way. If, if he can limit turnovers as a, as a first-year quarterback, as a rookie, um, against a tough team like Detroit moving forward, um, I think that they're going to have a lot of success because when you play special teams like the Cardinals did and they can play that way with Andy Lee and switch field position, I, I think that they're going to be competitive in more games than people think. Um, mm. and, and credit to Kyler for that because you know we've seen a lot of rookies with the three to five interception games. We've seen a lot of veterans who consistently turn the ball over. Baker Mayfield didn't have any protection this weekend, and he had, um, I think, one or two pick sixes, three interceptions, and Kyler Murray had probably similar to worse protection, um, at least early on in this game, and didn't try to to force the ball into areas where they wouldn't. And I contribute that partially, yep. Blake, to his arm strength. He's able to throw the ball away. He evaded multiple sacks, hung onto the football, ran out of bounds, and that's that's showing you know age beyond or experience beyond his age. And so I think that's definitely something to build on. But again, it's just a comfort level adjusting to the NFL speed. It's just a completely different. I mean, he's playing in the Big Twelve last year, mm-hmm. um, and you know the only legitimate competition he saw in terms of a defense was in you know the national semifinal against Alabama, and he he got off to a slow start in that game too. So it's going to take time refinement the cardinals don't have the greatest defensive personnel for him to go against in practice anyway and now with peterson gone so uh, i think patience is the key i actually think he's going to play pretty well against a baltimore defense that i think is a little overrated this weekend Mm -hmm. we'll get into that game preview but i think it's more about can the defense uh, get enough stops enough you know consistent turnovers um to the offense for for kyler to be able to make plays the best thing they did this weekend was consistently allowing kyler in this offense to find its groove it wasn't 30 yeah. plus to nothing by the time kyler and the team they, they kept the game close enough to the cardinals were able to string together a couple positive yeah drives. it wasn't it wasn't great you're not gonna have a top 10 defense in the cardinals you may not even have no. a top 15 if they can be bend but don't break and also we haven't talked i think enough about the standout play of Kime had essentially two big additions that uh, were on this team this year in Terrell Suggs and Jordan Hicks. Jordan Hicks was almost like a, the best way I could describe it was he was kind of like a single-handedly stopping a lot of the run game from getting guys into the right place, making sure yep. the gaps were there, making a lot of the plays as well. It was super beneficial. And then Terrell Suggs was not able to be blocked by their left tackle, Taylor mm-hmm. Decker, to the point where they essentially ended up moving to some of the screen passes and kind of did away with a lot of their deep game in the third and fourth quarter. That's part of where a, a turn to where the Cardinals now on defense we can talk about how they just don't really have a guy who can really cover a, a mismatch weapon like TJ Hawkinson. That'll be interesting with sure. what you're looking about a guy like a George Kittle, unfortunately, but they weren't able to put a safety on him. There was a couple of mix-ups. Eventually it seemed like they just put Buddha Baker on him in man, which what was at least nice about that was Buddha at least covered him well enough to the point that Stafford wasn't going to be looking at Hawkinson wide open blown. So that'll be something we'll have to see if the Cardinals adjust and maybe who knows, maybe Hawkinson goes off for a hundred yards and a touchdown or two per game and we're just looking at him like oh yeah that's that's the guy right there um that's possible but i do think that it is important to note that they did bring in some solid veteran players who made plays and it's got me excited because if this cardinals team is going to have a rough record and we'll for this season as far as comparatively but you're at least going to get Patrick Peterson and Robert Alford back it's not like your offense your defense was a swinging gate against a pretty decent passing offense absolutely and that's what we said and they were even able to get some sacks on Matthew Stafford now the biggest concern I still have John is ultimately with the uh we'll talk about some of this on our second podcast with the offensive line overall they at least played a tough defensive line they didn't play any uh, I don't think Trey Flowers is an elite pass rusher by any sense of the imagination so that'll be interesting to see how we'll deal with Humphreys and the other but in the second half when they did lock down and when Cliff was able to manipulate the pocket a bit you weren't just seeing Murray under pressure all the time or you know getting sacked by Sweezy I think it's a case of Murray also he probably should 
should have been sacked for my count at least eight times. There were at least three sacks that he was able to get out of and make plays and throw passes that were incomplete or being able to make it work. That Some of the teams played it exceptionally well where they forced him. He went to go and scramble. There was another defender waiting there. He had to kind of scramble back around. But what I did like about the team overall was by the end of the game, the question they had was how much of the adjusting was you know, the Detroit Lions may be easing up and playing a bit prevent on their coverage because there may have been some of that there. But one person brought up the idea that I didn't consider was with them chasing Murray around all game with the fast pace and the tempo that they played all game with that offense. Did Detroit get tired enough by the end of it that the Cardinals receivers were able to separate and those pass rushers, those big heavies? were just tired by the end of it, and that allowed Kyler to thrive. And if that's the case, then Cliff Kingsbury really played his, uh, pun not intended, cards right in terms of being able to put his team in position to get back into the game to where you're able to say, okay, maybe this guy knows a bit of what he's talking about, and they adjusted well enough without the snap clap. They had no false starts on the Cardinals whatsoever. You had an interesting kind of clapping from Matthew Stafford that turned into uh, uh, an interesting adjustment of the NFL rule where we finally have some clarity. We now know, hey, if you're trying to get the ball, you can clap for it, let them know. If you're trying to simulate the snap, we're going to jump off sides, we're not going to count that. So there's finally some clarity there. Uh, But the Cardinals ultimately, it looked like it was a team run by a guy who he – wasn't in over his head there weren't delay of game penalties like you saw with Mike McCoy there weren't times where you were like oh gosh like why did he call that timeout there where there was I think only one play where guys didn't know what was happening or going on but for the most part it didn't feel like you were looking at a guy who had no experience whatsoever in Steve Wilkes and someone who was clueless last year in Mike McCoy it looked like things are overall pretty tight and that's something that's an advantage for the Cardinals John because you have a rookie head coach who we forget was the head of the program at Texas Tech and has done this sort of thing before but in the adjustments to the program there weren't these huge issues where people saying it's going to be impossible to adapt like people were talking about yeah absolutely and i will give the offensive line credit i thought they played better in the second half i thought they wore down the the detroit line front they were gassed by overtime Uh, i was actually a little disappointed the cardinals didn't run the ball more in overtime because i thought david looked fresh and they were getting a significant push up front i say that and um, John Gam- Gambadaro just tweeted out, and we got breaking news on this podcast. For, oh, okay. I think the second of uh, time in three weeks with the uh, with this potential signing of right tackle Jordan Mills. There you go. Who started multiple games as a rookie and as a second year player for the Chicago Bears. I think was most recently with the Buffalo Bills, but at one yeah, time, strong possibility he's saying yeah, it looks like so, which would signal. A significant injury to Marcus Gilbert, yep. uh, which would obviously signal that he is not, in fact, week to week, that he could be missing significant time. I, we've Not to get off topic, Blake, but I think this is relevant. He's got mm-hmm. 82 starts in six years. He's got experience. Um, Justin Murray does not. He only played in two games last year. He was a fifth-round pick of the Bears in 2013. Started, I think, every game at right tackle as a rookie in 2013. Mm-hmm. 13 games in 2014. Um, he's bounced around. I, I think that he is somebody that's going to come in right away and push for that right tackle job just based on the fact that Marcus Gilbert could be out a significant amount of time. I think right. it's good to get somebody with experience. Um, so I wanted to throw that out there because that looks like it's it's imminent right now. Um, and so I wanted to give Gambo credit. Um, yeah, mm-hmm. but I thought the offensive line played better as the game went on. Like you mentioned, Blake, Maria um, evaded uh, numerous sacks in the second half did a nice job evading uh, evading pressure and then on the flip side the cardinal defensive line played better than i thought they were capable of playing Corey peters had a, had a very nice game like he always mm-hmm. does um and then rookie zach allen three tackles but two quarterback hits uh yep. playing a, really a, a spot starter rotational player with uh uh numerous other front seven players but i thought he did a nice job he mm-hmm. he certainly i put this in my recap article he certainly looks the part i i remember mm-hmm. seeing him in the preseason and then i'm like wow he's six five he's almost 300 pounds he's going to mm-hmm. be a staple on this team he may not ever be a pro bowl player but he's going to be a, a very consistent starter for this team yes. something they don't have enough of um they may lack that transcendent darnell dockett calais campbell pass rusher up front all around um, stud five technique which is the three four defensive end mm-hmm. but i think they've got a really nice player in allen gunter looks solid 
Um, so if that unit can stay semi-fresh throughout the duration of the season, I was a little disappointed Michael Dogby was inactive. But if they can keep that unit fresh and not mm-hmm. consistently get run over, um, I think that they're going to be in, in, in better shape than I would have thought. They, they, they handled the Lions up front, especially in the second half. Carry on Johnson had 16 carries for 49 yards. That's a 3.1 yards per carry average. The Lions yep. rushed for 116 yards, but that was really skewed by Matthew Stafford's three carries for 22 yards. Um, mm-hmm. and he kept it on uh, a read option play, and they only rushed for 3.6 yards per carry. That's a win for this run defense. Yes. Now you can say, well, they, <laughs> they got shredded in the passing defense. The people who are ripping the Cardinals secondary, they, are, they don't have arguably the best corner in the game that they're paying almost you know 16 17 million this year and then they gave robert alford big time money those were the mm-hmm. projected top two corners they don't have either of them they're breaking in a rookie granted he was the 33rd overall pick um johnson the other corner is is a nice player but he didn't play at all last year mm-hmm. um they they or excuse me jones chris jones, jones. They stashed him um jermaine brock was a street free agent i thought they did fine i honestly thought the corners played better really than the safeties did Buda baker and dj swearinger and hassan reddick to a lesser extent although he's coming back from injury had a really hard time mm-hmm. with hawkinson hawkinson was their yeah, they most got mixed of, up a lot they were yep. playing a lot of zone defense and zone coverage there's one time i think where hicks and um uh i believe it was dj swearinger were arguing with each other over who was the guy who was in coverage i think part of it is because we've seen from hicks he's not the kind of guy who's an athlete who can reach out and cover those guys reddick is a guy who might be able to he's still probably better overall on the line so maybe that's where it was but i, I did want to go back to where one thing i didn't notice until i went back and rewatched some of the uh the fourth quarter john was that Zach Allen probably tipped that very last pass that Matthew Stafford threw that Tremaine Brock almost dropped. And that was something yeah. where I, it made sense as to all of a sudden, like it didn't seem that the ball fluttered, but it didn't seem like it got to its intended target and Brock was waiting for it. And he just, it was such an easy pass. He was focused on taking it back to the end zone. So you got to see a lot from the rookies was a huge takeaway as far as that with the beginnings of a successful draft class. Now on our next episode, we'll have this week, we'll talk a little bit about some more of the uh, kind of the future with the cards. But the other thing that stood out to me was the veterans. You got to see Larry Fitzgerald, the ageless wonder comes back, catches eight balls for 113 yards probably would have had almost 150 um the lions end up knocking free a ball that um fits had kind of adjusted to he gets hit in the back by a safety ball pops out um kirk at least ended up doing well the cardinals averaged in this game 4.9 about five yards a carrier so they were efficient didn't run it often and they held the lions to about 3.7 yards a carrier so limited carry on johnson lions still have not had a hundred yard rusher in quite a while unfortunately hopefully they'll get that at some point this year maybe just maybe play the dolphins that way you can break all of the uh that's right all of the records in the they didn't even get it against the cardinals last year despite the terrible run defense which just shows how this detroit Lions team has been struggling and I don't know if this is going to be the beginning of the end for Matt Patricia I do think they've got enough talent and are in a weak enough division to be able to push for a playoff spot Um, maybe they won't get a chance with how the Vikings defense looked it's always but it comes down to it's week one what Cardinals fans can take away is that Fitz and DJ are getting the ball again you've got a quarterback who's able to make plays of his own you've got a defense that's competitive enough that we'll see how it goes with the schedule obviously it's still early but there's enough room for optimism that despite the fact that there are growing pains the first half this team looked like it was a team that could you know contend with for a top five pick the second half it looked like they put enough together and that kind of balances out with this team hopefully will do about what we expect john which is taking a step forward from where they were last year in three and 13 uh, to being a potential contender in the next few years yep absolutely build on um the the performances of the young players and kingsbury wanted to go into that locker room and and look at his team in the eye and say we weren't dejected by a loss from a 60 yard i mean that would have deflated the entire game 60 yard field goal absolutely awful and he put his defense he said i'm i'm confident my defense to make a play and they almost did and they held him it's not like the defense failed at the end of the game they just didn't create a turnover I'm, I am. I think at the end of the day, you look at this and say, how can we limit double-digit losses on the season? Well, we're already mm-hmm. we're already one for one, and so th- this was a huge positive in my opinion, um, considering the circumstance. And I I applaud Kingsbury for the most part. I think he did a solid job in his NFL debut. I've certainly seen worse um, performances by Cardinal head coaches. 
Yep, I'd agree. So there's a new hope that you've got in Arizona. It takes kind of what would look like complete disaster. And the K1 and K2, two of them together, plus a strong defensive effort. Um, Vance Joseph, we'll see what goes on. There's still obviously some doubts that are the case. Um, We'll talk on our next podcast, at least, to break down the Cardinals' next opponent, as well as looking at what we're still seeing from this team as far as some of the needs moving forward. Uh, But for the most part, we're going to call it here, at least for this episode of the Revenge of the Birds podcast. Uh, Thank you guys for joining in and listening. Don't forget we have that contest, so make sure we've got a link that we'll be posting where we'll be able to just simply copy and paste that onto your uh, whatever social media channels you prefer. Make sure that you mention if for some reason we uh, are going to miss it, make sure you reach out to us. Um, I'm at BlakeMurphy7 on Twitter. You'll be able to find it there, uh, as well as look at all of our past podcasts, some of the other articles. I know John will probably have uh, something up at least tonight just on this uh, forthcoming potential. We'll see how it goes. Jordan Mill signing. John, where can uh, all of our listeners be able to find you and your content? Yeah, I'm at Johnny Touchdown uh, on Twitter. And then, of course, uh, Blake and I have been doing this podcast for going on now over two years. This will be our third season, which is crazy. Uh, And then I also contribute uh, to RevengeOfTheBirds.com. I'll try to do uh, the rapid reaction um, every Sunday night following the game, schedule permitting. Awesome. Um, And then, yeah. Blake and I are going to continue content throughout the duration of the season. Uh, we'll mix in, uh, at least I will, some some draft content, um, players that I, I, I think the target would or Cardinals would be wise to target um, as we move closer and closer. I know we don't want to speed through the 2019 season, but it's always fun to project out some players at, on Saturdays who could fill big holes on Sundays for the Arizona Cardinals. Definitely. All right. Thank you again for listening in. Again, if you're listening in on whatever kind of provider you find for your podcast, whether that's Apple Podcasts, Spotify, um, if you're going to be listening in on uh, TuneIn Radio, I know we're there as well, um, Google Podcasts, um, wherever you do tune in, uh, make sure that if you do love us or if you liked and enjoyed this episode and our breakdown, uh, let us know at least with a rating. Let us know also how we can improve as well if there's other stuff that's going on there. Thank you again so much for joining Cardinals fans. Take care, and we'll talk to you later this week.